Turn with me, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, beginning verse 14. This resembles many, many churches in the 21st century. It has the distinct and the distinction of being the only church of all the seven that are resurrected, glorified, soon coming Lord Jesus, could not find one blessed good thing to say about them. Not one. Not one. You have to understand a few things about the city, the city itself. First of all, it was founded in the year 250 B.C. by Antichos of Syria. Now, Antichos of Syria is where the city of Antioch was named after him, and he founded this city and named it after his wife, Laodicea. Laodicea was a remarkable city in every way, in all the ones we've been looking at. This is the most remarkable city of them all. It would have been the kind of city that every business consultant would set as an example for success. Every motivational speaker would come to your boardroom and to your business and, and would give Laodicea as a model for success and for business management. It would be exhibit A in every business book that is ever published on management. It would have been the subject of every PowerPoint presentation. Every business consultant would begin his speech by saying, let me tell you about Laodicea. <laughs> Why? because it was the business capital of the region. It was the financial center of the region. It was the manufacturing center of the region. It was the medical scientific center of the region. Every bank has a branch <laughs> and a head office in Laodicea. Every financial institution, they had an address in Laodicea. Every investment firm and a brokerage firm and a financial institution, they have to have, even if it's a cubbyhole, but they have to say, hey, we got an office in Laodicea. <laughs> they cannot afford not to have an address in Laodicea. That's how it was. Why? Well, it was the center of the manufacturing of the finest clothes. The sheep that were renowned in this Laodicean hill from which they were famous for soft, violet, black, glossy wool, which was rare and was manufactured in Laodicea. But that's not all. It was the medical center of the region and then became the talk of the world, literally. Nearby the temple of Mancurio, there was a, a medical school, and it was second to none. In fact, that medical center became world-renowned because they discovered a special salve for the curing of all eye diseases, powder. I want you to think with me. Please just think with me. They are the financial capital of the world, the clothing manufacturing capital of the world, the medical center of the world, and yet Jesus said, I am not impressed. That's a rough translation, but you get the meaning. <laughs> Let me rephrase the words of Jesus without doing disservice or doing any harm to the text. And Jesus is saying, you may be the financial capital of the world, but your spiritual poverty is grinding. 
You might be the clothing manufacturing center of the world, but your spiritual nakedness exposes your shame. You may be boasting about your eye salve, but in reality, your spiritual blindness is causing you not to see your true spiritual condition. As we've been seeing throughout the seven churches, the resurrected, glorified Jesus finds a characteristic about the city, finds a, something about the culture, and, and He will lift that out, and He would apply it either for them to depart from or to apply it to themselves, and to use that for the church. But wait, 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 wait a minute. I left something out here of most important. The most important thing, I left that out about this city. And Jesus focuses on it like a laser beam. The water supply to the city of Laodicea had to travel several miles through underground aqueducts. And the water, because it traveled long distance underground, by the time it reached the city, it was foul, it was dirty, and it was tipid. This water was not hot enough to relax and restore and rejuvenate like the hot springs in a nearby Heriopolis. That's H-I-E-R, Heriopolis. Nearby, they had hot springs where people went there and were rejuvenated. It was not cold enough to refresh like the streams of cold water in the nearby Colossae. Question, what good is that water? What good is it for? Ah, oh, it was good for one thing. They drank it to induce vomit. Our resurrected, glorified, soon-coming Lord Jesus is saying to them, you are like your water. Your indifference and your complacency is making me sick. Your apathy is making me nauseous. Your half-hearted commitment is making me feel like I have drank a glass of your water. Now, beloved, I am absolutely convinced that this is how our Lord Jesus Christ now feels about so many of the 21st century churches, His churches that have departed from the truth. Someone said, there are some churches that make Jesus weep, other churches make Jesus angry, then others make Jesus sick. I pray to God that our church make Jesus rejoice. So what is the answer? What's the, praise God, I don't have to come with the answer. Praise God, we don't have to come with the answer. Jesus himself gives the answer. And here the resurrected, glorified Lord Jesus gives them three things. First of all, he alerts them to their dangerous conditions. Secondly, he advises them how to get out of their dangerous condition. And finally, He awards them if they get away from their dangerous condition. Here you have it. Alert, advice, and award. This is Jesus' alert system, His alert system. The truth is, most people have blind spots. All of us have blind spots. What makes it worse is that none of us are naturally alert to our blind spots. Otherwise, there wouldn't be blind spots, right? So the question is, how do you react when somebody points you a blind spot? How do you react to it? Now, there's some people react angrily when you point to their blind spot. 
others receive it graciously and do self-examination and come clean with God and say, Lord, search me, O God. I want to come clean with you. And then there's a third group, third reaction, and those who are react apathetically. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the person who said, I'm neither for nor against apathy. <laughs> Remind me of the preacher who was really preaching, waxing eloquently about apathy and against apathy, and he was preaching his heart out. And then he turned to the person in the front pew and he said, Is that not so? And the man said, I don't know and I don't care. That warms the heart of the preacher. Now, I'm going to make a statement that's going to startle some of you, not obvious, some of you. I believe with all my heart that apathy is Jesus' number one enemy. Why am I saying this? Listen carefully, please. Because he knows how to deal with the red-hot fanatics. He knows how to deal with the cold enemy. But it's a tippet, apathetic lukewarm person that makes him sick. And here in this letter to the believers in the city of Laodicea, our glorified Lord Jesus is telling them, your blind spot is that you are not realistic in your self-assessment. You are smug in your self-satisfaction. You are resting on your worldly reputation. You are placing your total confidence in your material resources. You're puffed up with your wealth. In other words, you're blind to your true condition. Oh, Lord, may that never be said of me. You are materially rich, but you are spiritually penniless. You may be dressed up in the designer clothes, but you're spiritually and shamefully naked. You may be able to boast about your eye self, but you are truly spiritually blind to what really matters. Hear me right, please. Hear me right. All sin, all sin, all sins are infectious. But pride is the most infectious and dangerous sin of all. And that is why here Jesus had to speak to them bluntly. He said, wake up and smell the coffee. You are paupers in spite of your banks. You're blind in spite of your iPadder. You're naked in spite of your clothing manufacturing companies. First of all, he does what? Alerts them. And secondly, he advises them. Underline that in verse 18 in your Bible, Revelation 3.18. Just underline it. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that verse. It gives me palpitation. It really does. (laughs) It's just an amazing verse. I counsel you. Say that with me. This verse gives me goosebumps. I'm going to tell you why. The God who said, let there be light, and there it was. The God, the very God who clicked his fingers, and the galaxies began to dance in their orbits. That same God says, I counsel you. What? Yeah. He could have said, I order you. He could have said, I command you. He could have said, I demand of you. But no. He said, I counsel you. 
are amazing, God. Listen, the older I get, the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I am overwhelmed by how amazing our God is. He respects the very freedom that He gives us. He respects the freedom He gives us. When I see someone causing a lot of harm and their sin and disobedience, really, when they're acting foolishly, and because we know that sin just harms a lot of people, not just the person who sins, right? When somebody acting foolishly harms a lot of people, I always pray and say, God, suck it to them. <laughs> I've done it. So here the voice of God says, I'm speaking to them. I said, Lord, whack them. I'm sending messages and messengers to them. I said, God, smack them silly. God says, I'm counseling them. You and I know that God can terrify us, but He doesn't. He can order us. Often He does it, not in the beginning anyway. He can demand from us, but He doesn't. He prefers first to counsel us. That small voice. He prefers first to advise us. He prefers first to convict us. He prefers first to call us. He prefers first to guide us. He prefers first to lead us. Oh, to be sure, don't miss what I'm going to tell you, there are dire consequences to ignoring His counsel. There is a terrible price to be paid for continuous disobedience. Oh, I know that. (laughs) I know it. But He always starts the process with counseling us, advising us, His small voice speaking gently and softly. Have you heard that small voice? So what is Jesus' counsel to the believers in Laodicea? He says, come and buy from me true spiritual gold that will make you truly rich. Come and buy from me real spiritual clothes that will cover your sin and guilt. Come and buy from me good spiritual eyes of that will open your spiritual eyes. I know some of you alert, and you heard the word read buy, and you said, buying? What is this? Are we going to buy salvation now? Is salvation for sale? Or is Jesus saying, come and buy from me? What is this all about? No, of course not. You know it's not. Now in a million knows. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, this is the best buy of your lifetime. This is the biggest deal in the whole universe. This is the greatest bargain in all of human history. When you come in repentance, you exchange your sin for His forgiveness. You exchange your failure with His success. You exchange your pain for His healing. You exchange your pride in your sin for His humility. You exchange your worthless self-righteousness for His true righteousness. You exchange the rust of your stubbornness and rebellion for His gold of obedience. You come and you exchange your pride of your ideas and your opinions for the true peace and contentment that only God can give you. 
Have you ever known a bargain like that? <laughs> Only a foolish person turns a bargain like that down. This exchange is not exchange of equal sums. You pay X to get Z. No, 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 no. This is not an equal exchange. I am giving him my trash for his riches. I'm giving him my sin for his forgiveness. I'm giving him my worry and anxiety for his peace. A question that's often raised regarding these in the church of Laodicea, were they really carnal believers, or are they never believers at all? But you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Don't get sidetracked. If Satan has blinded someone's heart, it does not matter whether that person is a churchgoer or not. In fact, there's so many people, hearts are blinded who are churchgoers. It doesn't matter that person has heard the truth, then turned their back on that truth, or never heard the truth at all. It doesn't matter. The message of the resurrected, glorified Jesus is the same. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Think about it. <laughs> the master of the house, the master of the house is not beating the door down. He's knocking. And he gently knocks, and then he waits, and then he knocks louder, then he waits, then he knocks louder, then he waits, and his final decision is judgment. Don't wait till that. Will you open the door of your heart to him, wherever you are, whatever condition you're in? Only you know he knows. Nobody else does. Not even the dearest and nearest know where we are. Will you open your heart? He alerts. He advises. And then he awards. Isn't that amazing? His greatest award is for those who overcome. He will give them the right to sit on the throne with him. Think about this. The late Queen Elizabeth was such a gracious lady, and all the people who near her talk about how gracious she is and, and that she knows the Lord. And in her graciousness, she has never once, and she loved her husband, the late Prince Philip. She loved him dearly. Never once she got him to sit on the throne with her. Not once. He sat next to her in a chair next to her, but never on the throne with her. I want you to think about this. The reason I'm giving a human illustration to tell you why this is buggers the mind. We're going to sit on the throne with Jesus. First, he said, give me your trash, and I'll give you gold in exchange. Then he says, if you accept my, this unbelievable exchange, then you'll sit on the throne with me. Now, beloved, this award exceeds all the other promises, all of them that we have seen in the other six churches. This exceeds them all, exceeds them in glory. It exceeds them in honor, exceeds them in authority. Here's what our Lord is saying. Let me into the chambers of your heart. Let me into the very seat of your will. 
and I'll let you into my Father's throne room. You invite me daily to fellowship with you. At what? Invite me to breakfast? I don't know what your translation said. He said, I sup with you. The old translation is more accurate. I dine with you. For lunch? No. Because people back then didn't eat much during the day. The main meal, the center of your life, the foundation of your life, the main meal of your life, come invite me to dinner and I will sup with you. I will dine with you. And I will fellowship with you on a daily basis. You hand me the authority over everything that is important in your life, and I'll give you authority to judge the universe with me. What a deal! (laughs) What a deal! What a bargain! What a bargain! I want to conclude by something I left. It's in all the seven letters. Everyone at the end of every letter says the same thing. I didn't touch it. I left it all the way to the end. Every letter end, he who has ear, let him hear. It means that you cannot sit here and say, wow, this is a great message for so-and-so. Or I wish so-and-so was here to hear that message. That's what it means. It means it's for you who have heard it. It means this message for everyone who reads it or hears it. This message is for you. Every admonition is for you. Every promise is for you. Every encouragement is for you. He who has ear, let him hear. Thank you for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, Bible teacher on Leading the Way. Learn more about the global ministry of Dr. Youssef and Leading the Way by visiting ltw.org. That's ltw.org.